How can you get three films out of the plot of The Hobbit? Could you get a peaceful night's sleep next to Lorena Bobbit? Hey listeners, we know that you like this podcast and that it's probably made you hungry for more podcasts. Unless this is the first time you've ever listened to us and you're trying us out. In In which which case, case, this little bit of promotion is meaningless to you. Yeah, you've probably switched off already. (laughs) Uh, But uh, we're now on another weekly podcast. That's right, but this one's actually produced by Radio Professionals. On the BBC. Uh, The show is called The Joy of Tech. Uh, so you go onto iTunes now or another podcatcher, as I believe no one calls them. Podcatcher. Ty- it's awful, isn't it? Oh, creepy. This is why none of them have taken off. And type in the joy of tech and subscribe, please, and you'll get a little dose of Helen and Ollie every week talking about the web. Or you could go to bbc.co.uk slash podcast slash series slash jot. It's catchy. Anyway, we'd very much like to uh, have your... Um, I was going to say have your companionship or your followship on the other podcast. Followship. Really? God, that's as bad as podcatchers. <laughs> but is, it, is a podcatcher like a dreamcatcher? Why are there no good neologists this century? <laughs> Am I the only one? And also, whilst we're talking about other radio moonlighting that we do in the professional sphere, <laughs> uh, if you uh, happen to be uh, listening to the radio between one and five in the morning, between Christmas Eve and January the 2nd... Then you are having a terrible time at Christmas. <laughs> I'll be on LBC 97.3 presenting through the night yay that's um, the best present ever so if you would except for, for you and so, your sleeping patterns <laughs> so uh, if you're in London that's on 97.3 FM and if you're not and if you're not there's an LBC app on the app store listen to that and or on the website or lbc.co.uk any of those work Russell Brand's dad called you in once didn't he he did and he just said repeatedly I'm Ronnie Brand <laughs> so do that if you like it filled the air well um, no, if everyone called up saying oh I'm Ronnie Brand it would not only be uh, rubbish radio but also very inaccurate because not everyone can be Ronnie Brand. Mm. Spartacus all over again, isn't it? <laughs> Hello, it's Chris from I'm an Indie Red now. And for Helen Molly, answer me this. Why are donuts called donuts? They're not really nuts, no, are they? Like peanuts. As with so many things, people have invented explanations which include uh, a corruption of the words do-naught because a ring donut looks like a naught. It's Bullshit! Yeah, because the non-ring donuts look like nuts. No, or don't. because it's a corruption of the words do-nots because you're tying oh. knots in do. What it most likely is to be, though, is that in uh, recipe books in the 19th century, when doughnuts were popularised, they said put a nut of dough in boiling oil. So to indicate the size yes. and dimensions. Well, that, well that's obviously yeah, the right answer. No, I like that. Okay, that's good. like when people say, what do they say with hair gel and shampoo? Like a pea-sized blob. Pea-sized, yeah. yeah. And that is, that's, the, that's the Victorian version of that, isn't it? But peas come a in many different dough. sizes. Yeah, but we all know when it says pea-sized amount that it means a bird's eye frozen pea, basically, doesn't it? That's mm. the pea that everyone measures peas by. What? So <laughs> That wasn't the pea I was going by. <laughs> I wonder if in the future um, shampoo will be known as pea blobs. Well, it could be shampoo. Yeah, shampoo. Yeah. But before they were called donuts, they were called oily cakes. Oh wow, that's descriptive but not appealing. Though. Because the Dutch used to fry them in pig fat. Mm. Actually, no, I'm sure that would be delicious. I know you're making ironic slapping your thighs of excitement and appetising noises, but actually I'd quite like that. Do you agree with me that basically it's always a mistake, and therefore I don't understand why they sell them this way, it's always a mistake to buy more than one donut? One donut's lovely, more than one, even just two, except in the case of churros, where obviously you can eat hundreds and drink the liquid chocolate like it's going out of fashion. (laughs) But, But except in the case of churros... One donut, that's enough for me. Yeah. Two, I just feel slightly sickly. Oh, well, I can easily eat three wing donuts. See, the only reason why it's acceptable to have more than one donut is if 
you know that one of them's got chocolate in and one's got German, and you want to try the difference between the two. Well, one, what happens if there's don't say f- custard. Don't say apple? custard. Yeah. No, no, or it's rank. Cream. That's why. No, oh, apple's oh. lovely. Oh. Apple. No. Or lemon. What about a lemon? Then? Obviously wrong. What's the coffee. matter with you? Coffee I've never had. What about one with like a coffee custard filling and chocolate on the top? Oh, you just yeah, I'm like, right with that. You like the missionary position of donuts, are they? <laughs> it's been said before. It'll be said again. <laughs> Another question of food now from Charlotte from Lowestoft, who says, My sister told me today that when we were young children, I was five and my sister nine, our mother once served us penis-shaped novelty <laughs> pasta for our evening meal. Oh, God. <laughs> was it her hen night or something? <laughs> uh, my sister is horrified at my mother's actions, telling me she remembers feeling uncomfortable eating them. Uh, mm. my, I wonder if she could sue for this kind of thing. Is this child abuse? It's pasta. Uh, my mum, however, <laughs> argues that she only did it as she'd run out of pasta and that at the time, with two impatient, hungry children to feed, penis pasta seemed a better idea than no pasta at all. What about a sandwich? Yeah, it's an interesting decision, isn't mm. it? I'm not sure. Uh, so, <laughs> answer me this. Was my mum wrong to serve us penis pasta? Or is my sister making a fuss over nothing? <laughs> and what would you have done? Were you in the same situation as my mum? I would have done the same, I think. But I would have told a lie. I would have said, yes, uh, we're having the pasta that is in the shape of an aardvark wearing a gas mask. <laughs> Because <laughs> it doesn't really look like a penis. No. It... You could say it was a sea monster or a rocket. I think or... as long as it's not a carbonara sauce, it's probably okay. <laughs> then again, are we all getting a little bit too prudish? Because, you know, children find willies funny, right? And I know that in this kind of paranoid post-Jimmy Savile world, we're not supposed to ever talk about penises in front of children. Children do not have bodies. But actually... Children are obsessed with rude Children bits. find it funny. And actually, does it... Is it? I, I don't, if my mum served me penis pasta, I wouldn't consider it damaging. I would have found it funny when I was eight. I'd probably no, still wouldn't. find it funny now. You would have found it deeply ordinary because that's exactly the kind of thing <laughs> your mum would have done all the time. If she just served you uh, spirals, you would have been like... What is this? But in other parts of the world, I, in fact, I remember specifically going to Copenhagen with my dad when mm. I was about eight. Mm. And on the, you know, I was encouraged to have some exotic foreign sweets when we went to the petrol station. And one of the sweets I remember was boob-shaped uh, gelatin. Yeah. That was not adult novelty sweets. That was for children. Yeah. And it's funny when you're a child. It's funny. It was really funny. And I, did, I was not damaged by that. The thing is, that when you're a child, your body isn't sexual. And even sexual organs aren't sexual. It's just a yeah. willy. It's yeah. not... Exactly. It doesn't have the same connotations as yeah. it does for another. I think that the greater problem is that novelty-shaped pasta isn't very nice. No, it's not. It's awful. I've got a bunch of it in my cupboard, actually, because people give it to us when they come oh, back from no. holiday. And I just, mm. you know, it's like, oh, thanks, but I don't know what yeah. to do with it. It's funny, though, that um, yeah, Italians mm. recoil from the idea of funny shaped pasta and yet they love cock exactly <laughs> and no, boobs but in, in all seriousness if you were to pick a European nation apart from maybe the Swedes and the Danes and the Dutch I think you would choose the Italians out of everyone certainly more than the French the Germans the Russians who would like cock and boob shaped yeah. things it would be the Italians I've seen their adverts for shower gel <laughs> exactly and, and yet when it comes to pasta they're also bloody po-faced about it and I lie to my niece views all the time because it's easier than telling them the truth and I do worry that soon they're going to be too old for me to be allowed to do this without repercussions but at the moment it just seems a lot easier they're on crack anyway essentially i was walking my nephew home the other day and he was wearing this coat with dinosaurs on it and he said they won't stop talking and i said really they, they seem quite well behaved they're not eating you and he said yes but they're eating the coat <laughs> they seem so stressed did he then say i see dead people <laughs> i mean what a nutter and therefore i feel fine with saying yes i'm feeding you these dolphins that have funny fins that mm. are shaped like testes yeah and then well yeah if you've got a question email your question to answer me at this podcast
time for a question from a whole family, the Shinks family. Oh, the Shinks. <laughs> uh, they say, I've, now it's singular, I'm confused, just been watching Blue Peter. Mm-hmm. I am 44 years old. Oh, so it's on behalf of the family, but not necessarily endorsed by them. I think, I assume from the patriarch. Father Shinks. Really? Could be Mother Shinks. Could be, but it just strikes me as a man. Okay. Um, and they, Blue Peter, were attempting to break a world record. In the studio, there was an official world record adjudicator from Guinness. So, Helen, answer me this. How on earth do you get to be a Guinness adjudicator? What are the qualifications required? And what's the job description? You have to understand what constitutes a record. So they're trained to know whether it's quantifiable, I suppose, whether you can define it and standardise it enough to establish what has to be broken. And also whether it's impressive, because at the end of the day, they've got a book to publish, haven't they? (laughs) And if you just say, I'm going to win the world record for eating the most Murray mints in a row, if you just eat 10 of them, because no one's done a record of that before, that's not going to make the book, is it? Because it's boring. Apparently 80% of pitches for world records are immediately dismissed, and then the adjudicators have to do a bit more research into whether it's valuable and what's required. But it seems that Guinness does advertise for records managers who are the ones who research and approve the records and uh, you know check the evidence and interview witnesses and stuff to make sure that the record was broken. And once you've been doing that for a while then often you can get promoted. Oh, really? Um, It's a staff of about 80, the Guinness World Records operation, and they've got adjudicators in London, where Mm. where the organisation is based. Beijing, Tokyo, New York, Sydney, you'd expect that, Hamburg, and also Asuncion in Paraguay. Wow. What's going on there? It's like being sent off to a remote island parish. So it seems that most of the people that do this job, they have tertiary education, and they have to be able to speak more than one language because they travel a lot. But whereas the job sounds fun, mm. like working for that organisation that is essentially dedicated to nothing apart from the promotion of really Itself. stupid ideas. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, a bit like the Darwin Awards. <laughs> um, although that sounds fun, actually, as the adjudicator, you're the killjoy, basically. I and mean, I've met Guinness World Record adjudicators before. Oh, I've really? been at World Record Attempts. And they're the ones who stand there with a the clipboard and basically say, well, technically that's not a pogo stick, so you haven't won the they record. They have to, because it's so important that um, it's a pogo stick, Ollie. But that's not really that much fun, really. So essentially you're the traffic warden of silly fun. But if you're going to make an arbitrary record, an arbitrary set of rules that you're going to beat, then stick to them. Yes, yeah, yeah absolutely. I'm just I'm just saying there must be some hard days at work yeah. where you have to look someone in the, in the eyes who's just been in a bath full of jelly for 20 hours. And say, and say sorry, someone's done it for 24 hours, yeah. you're going to have to stay in the jelly. Or sorry, when you went for a wee break you took 30 seconds too long yep. so i'm um, sorry the jelly is the wrong flavor <laughs> and it's not set enough the other thing they do is they uh they have to keep hold of the certificate that says you've won the record until obviously you have won the record won the record so that's quite a big position of trust because presumably they have to destroy that certificate if you fail to win the record why don't they just produce the certificate after the record has been established because nor- they have to have the photo up by the they bath of the jelly fo- exactly right and you want the you want the jelly dripping from the man's every pore <laughs> and at the moment he's going and then you want to present him with the certificate that's the photo for the book isn't and you it? don't necessarily have a printer in the field where the bath full of jelly probably mm, is that's right Paraguay. yeah it's a complicated world so if the Shinxes are planning some kind of career change, it's not the picnic that it may seem. Yeah, unless it is a world record for the world's biggest picnic. <laughs> then it is going <laughs> yeah, to be a good picnic. No, but you don't get to eat anything because if you're a Guinness world record adjudicator, you don't get to take part in any records. So you would not get to eat the picnic because you'd oh, be helping. Conflict of interest, uh, pure yep. and simple. Yep. That's a shame, isn't it? Because imagine if, mm. yeah, if you're in this world... And you know that there's a really easy record that you know you could win. And you thought, I've got a really aching neck. You know what would soothe that? Bath full of beans. Yeah, can't do it. Can't do it. Oh, it's heartbreaking. (laughs) 
dear Santa Claus Did you know I've been really good this year? I've been helping old ladies Eradicating rabies And laying off the beer So fill my stocking with classic episodes Of my favourite podcast Because for 79 pence each you can buy our first three years episodes My appreciation will be vast Go to answermethispodcast.com Slash classic to get them for me And look at me entertained on Boxing Day When Grandpa's starting to bore me Price of meat Full merman interracial marriage young people today It's Christmas time There's no need to feel afraid But there's a monster in the wardrobe <laughs> Well I was going to say there's no need to feel afraid Unless your mother-in-law is coming to visit uh, Because we've got this question from Victoria oh, My mother-in-law's not scary at all Glad to hear it uh, Victoria says my mother-in-law is coming to visit us for two weeks oh, over Christmas two weeks Wow. Oh, now suddenly she's not so delightful Hey Helen, two weeks No one's delightful for two weeks No matter how much my husband reams her about it she cannot help herself from making comments and hinting about my weight. Uh, she has, for example, said, You were a fat kid, eh? And when I'd lost a little weight, your fat belly has gone down a bit. It's lovely of her to notice. Um, she sends me diets she finds in magazines, and sometimes I catch her just standing there, staring at my belly. That's probably her hoping that you're pregnant so she can become a bitchy grandma. She might actually just be captivated by it, Victoria. It might be that you have a very yeah. charismatic stomach. Yeah. Or you paint mysterious symbols on it. <laughs> She's trying to work out what they are. Uh, by the way, Victoria continues, she is definitely not a thin person. Yeah, but one can still criticise the bodies of others from one's own fat prison. Self-hating tubber. Uh, and I'm not huge, Victoria says. Probably about as chubby as she is. It's not a contest. <laughs> and while I've been attempting weight loss lately, my home business is my top priority and weight loss is pretty low on my list of things to do. Mm. So, Helen, answer me this. What is a fun way (laughs) for me to deflect her hurtful comments uh, without making a scene? I think think going on the Jeremy Kyle show. What do you mean was a fun way? Going somewhere else for Christmas. (laughs) Victoria says, can you come up with something that's uh, entertaining for me? Not necessarily something she will understand, but will make her tactlessness more fun. Well, if you're looking for fun and defiance, Victoria, maybe you should start wearing like really revealing clothes like crop tops and stuff (laughs) and slouch so that your belly looks even bigger and maybe paint some arrows on it and then sort of jiggle it up and down so when she's like oh you're looking a bit chubby after all that Christmas food you go blob 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 right, blob yeah. I think you're right that um, maybe an approach is to suggest that uh, being fat is actually an advantage in some way and sort of show her up for her prejudiced beliefs wrestling so maybe there's that or maybe it's a case of you know that episode of Alan Partridge where he gets that super fan to come up to him and ask for an autograph in front of the TV producer so that he can be seen to be more popular than he is mm-hmm. I'm wondering the same sort of way maybe you could get like a neighbour to call round and, and say Victoria you. looking so trim yes exactly but maybe she is thinking look Victoria is a bit overweight she might actually be losing years off her life if I say something now while she is young before she has kids maybe actually she'll do something about it and maybe you have to be a bit cruel to be kind it's but not the way to do no, it no it's not, as, it's I not can, as I can tell you from uh, the years of childhood bullying by my dad on this very matter <laughs> yeah really destroying and it made me just want to put on weight to annoy him okay fine but what is the right way to say that if that's your concern it's not her mother-in-law's business there's no, there's no fun way to do it. My ex-girlfriend, her mother, every time she went to visit her, would make comments about her weight until at some point she just went, like, we've, I've just walked in the door, can you stop making comments about my weight? It's really upsetting me. Yeah. And then she stopped. Or at least she scaled it back for a while. Yeah. You can, the only thing you can do is be really direct and say, 
this is rude and upsetting. So can you yeah. stop? There's, there isn't a fun way to do it, unfortunately. But, 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 but I'm not okay. But, but, but what I'm saying is, from her point of view, she may feel she's being interventionist in a good way. And how do you actually tell her that she's I, not? I think, Victoria, you have to say to her directly, when you say things like this, I actually find it very upsetting. So do you think you could keep it to yourself? Or write it down in a letter and then don't send me the letter. But I think you have to be direct to her. She probably doesn't realise the effect her words are having on you. She might just be a very insensitive person. I've got a, a less direct way of dealing with this, Helen. And Great. that's just get pissed. My advice... How's that going to help? Because, well... Be like, Do, Victoria, the fat drunkard. That's why drinking goes up at Christmas. If you're around your family at Christmas and you can't bear them, just drink. That's Just terrible. drink a lot and you'll feel much better. Everything's suddenly amusing and that's the best way to deal with every problem. Oh. There's no side effect at all. Another thing to do is to unite your mother-in-law with you by bitching about somebody else divide and rule it worked for Otto von Bismarck so if someone fatter preferably if you're saying hey look Auntie Violet has got a really hairy chin yeah mother-in-law will be like ah, yeah she has <laughs> ever since Bill left her she's really let herself go yeah I see yeah clever here is another question of um, discord with the in-laws or outlaws in this uh, situation it's from Alex from Chichester who says I don't think my girlfriend's parents like me oh dear when I say her parents, I mean her mum and stepdad. Her dad and stepmum are two of the nicest, most welcoming people I've ever met. We're in our early 20s and we've been together for almost two years now. I must have been to their house hundreds of times, but I've never been made to feel very welcome. It's always very much that I'm an outsider and I'm to be treated as an outsider. <laughs> wow. I've, I've, I've done nothing but try to make them accept me. Maybe they think you're a bit of a suck up. Mm. And I really look after my beautiful girlfriend, but they just won't accept me. I bought them an £80 bottle of champagne for Christmas last year. Oh, God, so he's tried my tip of getting them drunk and that didn't help. Maybe they think it's a bit flash. <laughs> £80, you could buy 20 bottles of Carver for that. Uh, and I didn't receive a thank you or anything. Right. So, Ollie, answer me this. Am I trying too hard to make them like me? Is there something more I could do? Or are they just utter cunts? Well, it's really hard to know, isn't it, without meeting them? Well... I've looked at Alex's Twitter profile, which he attached to his email, and uh, his biog is a polite arsehole. So maybe the problem <laughs> is him, not them. Right. Assuming that he's being ironic there in his Twitter biog, though, and he's actually a thoroughly pleasant man. How does your girlfriend get on with her mum and her stepdad? Because if her relationship with them has always been a bit... Terse. Uh, yes, yes, exactly. She needs to talk to them on your behalf and say, um, I don't feel like you've made an effort with Alex and... Um, I would like the family to be more united. Yeah, I think that's right. Send her in. Maybe the flash approach isn't the right one. Well, maybe... evidently, the £80 champagne didn't work. Yeah, so maybe what you need to do instead is show more interest in them, You know, listen to their boring stories about decking or whatever, mm. but maybe find out what they're interested in and offer to help them. You know, if they need help raking leaves in the garden or putting out the rubbish, yes. things like that find some kind of common ground that you can converse about. I think making yourself useful is good. Uh, a, because you're making yourself useful, and B, because if it's socially awkward to be sitting in, a living, in the living room or the dining room with these people, you can at least go off into another room and do something else. Yeah. And you're not just sat there bored trying to make small talk with people who don't really like you. However, um, the boyfriend that I had in my teenage years, who I was with for three and a half years... Yeah, your dad tormented him, right? He, he really did. He, he annihilated the confidence at that point. <laughs> I mean, my mum is very polite, but I think she uh, had her suspicions, whereas dad just... Uh, 
openly laughed at him and my my ex-boyfriend did put in effort he shifted lots of wheelbarrows full of earth for my dad when my dad was making a patio literally moved the earth for him (laughs) (laughs) it's not enough for Zach Zaltzman I have to say from his point of view like they're not if they're not making any effort screw them like or just try and understand why they have this opinion it might be nothing to do with you it might be that you represent something about their daughter's life choices that they have taken against and really it's about their daughter not about you that's one thing the other thing is if this was a TV drama or a sitcom what would happen is a situation would develop where you were trapped with the one that hates you the most whether that's the mother or the stepfather trapped with them in perhaps a garden shed with no electricity or, or a lift yeah, in or a, a car yeah. in a snowdrift and you'd hate each other and it you'd would be awful you'd have to eat each other but, <laughs> but by the end of the episode or the film or whatever you'd have learned to love each other you'd learn to understand each other and I wonder if actually you can generate a situation perhaps where you have to get past the awkwardness and start talking about other stuff it well, might happen with even more work and persistence maybe the answer is just to break down in tears in yeah. front of the parents that often cuts through a lot of ice anyway to both of you Merry Christmas Yay. <laughs> sounds like you're going to have a great December let us know how you're doing in January Alex <laughs> I don't know about you listeners but sometimes I reach the end of a podcast with a wanton craving for more in such moments I confess I have recourse to the answer me this app on the iPhone and Additionally, in times of dire need, Android, upon which I have indulged in the weekly bonus material and over three hours of best bits. Here is a question from Chris from Germany who says, Ollie, answer me this. Was Andy Warhol wearing a wig all the time? Was that his real hair? I did a Google image search. What do you reckon? On the image search, real or fake? Uh, it's him at various different ages, from what I can tell, and this is just a guess. It looked like it was his real hair that looked like that when he was younger, and then as he got older, he got a wig that looked like his hair used to look. Well, wrong. It is a wig, but it was a wig from when he was young. He began wearing wigs in the 50s, when he was still only in his 20s, because he had male pattern baldness. Oh. Um, oh, right. And uh, he also had a nose job in the 50s. I wow, discovered. that's early, isn't it? It is early. I would, I thought that's quite a risky surgery. For a man surgery to have a nose job, yeah. Uh, but the first wigs were mousy brown, and then he kind of graduated to different shades of uh, yellowy silver. And uh, there are apparently hundreds of his wigs. Uh, the Andy Warhol Museum in Pittsburgh has uh, over 30. And he oh. used to have his real hair poking out. So it was deliberately meant to look wiggy. Oh, wow. I guess the thing is, I mean, it sounds wanky, doesn't it? But then being an artist is a bit wanky. And actually, I guess the ones that people remember as icons rather than just their work being iconic, they are the ones that set about to have an aesthetic look right from the beginning like Oscar Wilde still 150 years later we all talk about how he looked well Lady Gaga is a more interesting proposition than a lot of other pop stars who might make vaguely similar songs yeah I think that's right and it was a kind of self-mythologising branding look he didn't do it by accident he knew what he was doing and also he said that uh, if you wear grey hair then no one knows how old you really are because you always look old Schofield trick yeah helped some of his fears about ageing yeah that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, a Warhol wig sold for more than $10,000 in a Christie's auction in 2006. <laughs> so you could get one and wear one and um, pretend you have the head of Andy Warhol, but then you'd be being derivative. Uh, here is an email from someone who calls themselves a very naughty Waterstones browser. Okay, is there a special branch of Waterstones called the Very Naughty Waterstones? Yeah, if there the is, I'd like to go there. No textbooks there, just <laughs> sex books. Well, this naughty browser says, Today I left my house and went on a special trip to Waterstones to finish reading a book that I started reading there a couple of weeks ago. Cheapskate. It's a good book. 
Just not good enough for me to want to buy it. But good enough for you to make a special trip to the bookshop to finish reading it suggests that it is quite compelling. So what's that price point? About £4 rather than 8 99 I see what you're saying. She could be talking about a £60 hardback, couldn't she? That's the problem. She says, I realised that I probably could have found the same book at the library down the road. But the local paedophile often sits on the bench outside the door, so I'm too scared to go in. Yeah, big society. How do you know that they're a local paedophile? They might just look a bit PD. Uh, let's not ask her to let's feedback not, on that, yeah. Helen. The naughty browser says, Ollie, answer me this. How much of a book is it acceptable to read in a bookshop before you are obliged to buy it? I think it's acceptable to read all of it, but then you do have to buy it. So I suppose the answer to the question is, I suppose it's acceptable to read about a quarter of it and yeah. not buy it, really. I think if you haven't decided buy a quarter, you yeah. should either stop reading it or buy it. But I think it's fine to read the whole thing and then go back and buy it another day. That's fine. You probably should buy it. No, but once you've read the whole thing, you're not going to go back and buy it, are you? But I've done this myself oh we've all done it well this is why borders doesn't exist anymore they're asking you they've got armchairs there and no one tells you to put the books away no in fact they invite you basically to sit down have a cup of coffee and read one don't they but usually they're books that i never intended to buy like the ace of cakes book you know it's not good enough to own yeah but then there's a subcategory there isn't there with that kind of book where it's a book you'd have liked to have been gifted yes that's exactly right you might have seen it and then asked someone to give it to you books you don't want to buy yourself now i'm making amends because now i only really buy books from um independent bookshops Mm. like the bookseller crown crystal palace and they tend to be full price and uh, maybe that is offsetting the uh, books I didn't buy. I think that's then. the way to look at it, actually. And I think even if you go to a chain store like Waterstones, that's still the way to look at it. Is you you are investing your time there. Uh, you're making their shop seem busier. You're mm. enjoying their atmosphere. Probably you haven't got that much money. That's probably part of the reason why you're not buying the book. You're not just being tight. So therefore, actually, so law of averages. Probably eventually, maybe you'll get a bit older. Maybe you'll get a better job. At some point, you will have some more money. You will want to buy books, and then you will have the brand loyalty to the shop that let you sit and browse. As you say, if Borders did still exist, because I spent about half my time as a student in borders reading free books uh, I would uh, I would probably be going back there and spending £50 a month but uh, sadly yeah. it went kaput before I had the opportunity but listeners if you are interested in a book that you can probably read in one sitting uh, do try the Answer Me This book yeah oh yeah good opportunity to mention that yeah it's the perfect gift for somebody who has a toilet and the ability to read in this time of purse strings tightening the internet's a smorgasbord of fabulous free things like showbiz news no need for magazines stalking your old school friends videos of fat kids falling over stealing films and music sharing photos of your nan filing your tax return but by far my favorite free thing to type is answer me this into skype Here's a question from Paul who says, I've always wanted to visit Canada or Russia. Whoa, wow. two very different places there, Paul. They're not far, though. What was that, Sarah Palin? <laughs> pop, 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 pop through Alaska, yeah. over the Bering Strait. You're a <laughs> terrifying man. He says, although it's probably going against the national consensus of the English population, I do not like warm climates. Well, it's going it's going with the national grain of the English climate, so yeah. I think that's a good thing. It's going I, with the uh, grain of the answer in this podcast uh, Well, two, two out of three, yeah, not Ollie Man. I'd be quite happy to move to Australia if my family would just fuck off with me. We, we, we wish you would. Oh, that's not nice. Well, because Australia's a lovely place. Yeah, I think we visit. could come and visit you, yeah. 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 And he's, that, that, so Paul says, that is why I would prefer one of the aforementioned destinations. Both of them, though, don't go in summer if you want cold. Because I had a friend who went to Moscow in summer oh, last year God, and was absolutely so roasting, hot. roasting, yeah. like people dying from the heat. Yeah, it's and Canada the, as well can get really hot. Yeah, M- Moscow in July is one of the, the most humid places I've ever been, and yeah. I've been on the London tube system. When giving this proposal to my family, they were more in favour of Canada than the Eastern European option. However, he says, having got his way. While this would have been good, it resulted in a difference of opinion 
as I would like to visit Toronto, whereas my mother and sister would prefer Vancouver and my younger brother and dad just don't give a rat's ass. I have a feeling, Paul, that this is just going to go on and on. Like, if you then settle on Vancouver, they'll be like, well, they want to stay in the gas town, oh, and yeah. I want to stay on the mountain. It's just like, well, just go with it, you no, know, no. take a majority decision. And his brother and his dad, I mean, why, why even bother making them go anywhere? Leave them at home. No, well, that's not fair. He's saying that they don't have a choice, they don't have a preference between Toronto and Vancouver. Maybe to them, those are both very exotic destinations. doesn't matter. Maybe they have observed your controlling instincts, Paul, and have decided to <laughs> abdicate any responsibility <laughs> over the holiday choice. Yeah because it's not worth it. So Ollie answered me this, says Paul, how do I convince my family, namely my mum and sister, to go with my choice of Toronto? God, he's so bossy, isn't he? Is. I've chosen the continent, now I'm choosing the city, and you <laughs> fuckers are just going to follow. I have to say, um, I'm not sure you've made the right choice there. No. I've never been to Toronto, but I, I. I have been to Vancouver, and it's very beautiful. It is. And of the two, I would say Vancouver probably is going to be more interesting. As a tourist, not maybe to live in. Toronto dwellers, please write in and uh, tell us. But I've heard that Toronto... underground caverns. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I've heard Toronto is quite a businessy place. Yeah, exactly. I've, I've heard it's a very nice place to live, but a little bit dull for tourists. Or you could add Montreal to the mix. I've heard Montreal is cool. What you could do and this would be the ideal option, but it would take about three weeks, is go on a road trip between the two. Because yeah. that's only 2,800 miles, and you could go via the Niagara Falls, yeah. Chicago, Mount Rushmore on the Badlands, Glacier National Park, Leavenworth, the happiest place on Earth, and Seattle. That's going to be expensive, though, if you want to go in the winter. You're going to need some pretty serious tyres to do if that. If you want to go in winter, you're going to need a snowmobile or something. And you're going to be trapped in a car with the family that you disagree with. Being trapped in a car with Paul might just mean that you have to go, yes, Paul, yes, but whatever you say, Paul, anything for a peaceful life. Yes, Paul. Did you do that intentionally? No. It's Paul Daniels' catchphrase. Very good. Yes, Paul. Maybe it is Paul Daniels. Paul Daniels is very controlling. Maybe it is him. The lovely Debbie McGee. Yeah. She wouldn't even try to broach Vancouver. Where are we going on holiday, Debbie? That's right. We're going to Vancouver. Yes, Paul. (laughs) As I said, I think you may have made the wrong choice on Toronto rather than Vancouver. I think you may... I'm sorry, Canadians. I think you may have made the wrong choice of Canada over Russia as well. Well, I think Russia's difficult because, you know, it's it's not necessarily the most welcoming No, country. exactly, but isn't it kind of more interesting? It's a choice between uh, poutine, the absolutely baffling Canadian national dish. And oh, Putin, the uh, yeah. Prime Minister of Russia. <laughs> Very nice. Well, if you want to advise Paul on where he should go, or just uh, address the psychological issues that have caused him to become so incredibly bossy, then uh, by all means, do write in. Mm. Or you could send us questions. Our contact details are on our website, answermethispodcast.com. But we won't get around to answering those questions, I'm afraid, until the new year, uh, because for the next two weeks, we're going to be playing out our best of episodes, all the best bits from the year in Answer Me This. Yeah. And if you've got a particular bit that you want to hear again and you can't be bothered to find the episode and rewind it, just uh, go on uh, our Facebook page yeah let us know answer me this facebook.com slash answer me this let us know what you'd like to hear again and also if you've got the apps you've got access to the uh, previous five years best of answer me this is um, but yeah no it's fun they're always good episodes and there's going to be bits in there as well of unheard material from the year in yes. answer me this Ooh. what hit the cutting room floor let your imagination run wild yeah, stuff that was too good to go in the show normally yeah. uh, that'll be in the episode next week so we'll see you then for the best of answer me this 2012 part one bye, bye. Oh